to episode number 34 of the Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today, we are talking about the trigeminal nerve, personal health care on the island, and cancer overview. So embarrassing. When I first started recording this um this this portion i made a really stupid mistake and i got frustrated with myself and i made myself start all the way over now that we're starting over welcome back back to me welcome for the first time for you to this portion where we're going to throw it back to anatomy uh let's talk about the cutaneous innervation of the face so the skin innervation of the face and the sensory innervation of the face most of that is done by the trigeminal nerve which is cranial nerve five cranial nerve five comes from the pharyngeal arch one so if you can think of all the things that come from the pharyngeal arch uh one for for the those that know your uh embryology then you know that most of those are going to be innervated by cranial nerve five uh, we call it trigeminal nerve because it has three main branches, trigeminal, three main branches. And this is uh, really an important nerve because, like pathologically, because damage of it can be excruciating and long-term. In fact, I, I kind of feel like this is a cranial nerve that most people know because it seems like, at least in my life, and that's a pretty small sample size, but that uh, I have a number of friends or family that have had some kind of trauma to their trigeminal nerve, and it's been it's been pretty rough on all of them. Uh, so the three branches are V1, V2, and V3. V1 is also called the ophthalmic branch. V2 is called the maxillary, and V3 is the mandibular. Now, again, just based off of language, you can pretty much guess where those branches are and what they do based off their name. So V1 is also called ophthalmic. Yep, by the eye. V2, maxillary. Uh, If you remember, the maxilla is that upper... um, not, I guess we'll say upper jawbone for lack of a better word, uh, but it's that it's that upper plate there. Uh, so your your upper lip or whatever. So yeah, it's going to be in that area. Mandibular, that is your jawbone. Uh, so that's where V three is. The dermatomes. So dermatome. In case you don't know, I think I think we've talked about this, but a dermatome is basically a section of skin that's all innervated by one level or one nerve right so and this all has to do with embryology but the dermatomes so where where the trigeminal nerve um covers as far as like innervation goes is is pretty much the entirety of the face all the way to the back half of the head all right, so ophthalmic nerve, which is at the very top, is going to do your forehead, the dorsum of the nose, the upper eyelid, the maxillary is going to do the lower eyelid, the side of the nose, the upper lip, the anterior temple, the skin over the maxilla, and the zygoma both. But the mandibular is special. The mandibular is the lowest and the largest branch, right? It's also the only branch that has motor function pretty cool right so v1 v2 is just straight up sensory v3 is actually mixed so we say the whole trigeminal nerve is mixed because really it is but it's it's specifically v3 that's mixed 
So what muscles does it do? It does the muscles of mastication. So muscles of mastication are your medial pterygoid, your lateral pterygoid, and your uh, your masseter, and then also your uh, man. Then this is um, this is not what I screwed up the last time, but you can hear me stumbling over my words as as we speak, which is kind of really embarrassing. So um, medial pterygoid, uh, lateral pterygoid, buccinator, masseter, and temporalis. Buccinator is like it's it's one that throws me off because it's when you uh, like blow out your cheeks, the muscles that pull it back together is what the buccinator is. That does not feel like a muscle of mastication for me. Temporalis, that one I know is a muscle of mastication, but even that one, just the way that it lays out, just feels really weird that it would be innervated by V three. So anyway, point being. That's the, the muscles of mastication. Interesting to note, the only one that uh, lowers the jaw is the lateral pterygoid muscle, uh, which is kind of interesting, I think, that you know you only have one muscle for that entire action. And, and it also explains why lowering your jaw against forces is, like if someone tries to hold your, hold your jaw up, you can barely move it, but you can still have so much bite power, you know? Uh, what else does V3 do? It, uh, it does sensory for like the cheek, the chin, the lower limb, the, the uh, kind of posterior temple. It actually does the anterior two-thirds of the tongue, like the sense of your tongue. But the, here's, here's the thing. It does the sensation of your tongue, but not the taste. So if you touch your tongue and, and it feels pressure or you burn it, something like that, that's that's sense. That's not taste. Taste is, spe- is a special sense. So that's a whole different, um, a whole different nerve. And I think we've talked about that before too. The whole wild sense, uh, sensory innervation of the tongue. But the anterior two thirds of the tongue, the sense, not the taste, is also done by V three. So that's uh, the kind of a rundown on the trigeminal nerve. It, probably one of the more interesting cranial nerves. Definitely more interesting than the accessory nerve. I would definitely say that. Make sure you check us out on artofmedschool.com. We have a ton of more information, blog posts, any of our past episodes that you might have missed, as well as some really fun underwater photography that Mike has been working on. There's some cute photos of fish. So check us out on artofmedschool.com. Right. So we're talking a lot about going to med school on the island, but what is the healthcare actually like on the island? Um, that kind of depends. So, um, there is a very large public health care system on the island that uh, taxes pay for and so that everybody has access to. And, uh, and most things, if you go to the public hospital, are either free or uh, you have to pay a very small, um, I mean, I guess in the U.S. we would call it a copay, uh, but a very small sort of thing. Um, and uh, and then there's private hospitals. Private hospitals have less of a weight, and then you have to pay more of a premium for those products. Uh, I only ever went to the doctor once when I was on the island. Um and for the most part, you know, 
Micah and I are pretty healthy people. He's not gone to the hospital at all. Uh, and you know, the care I got was suitable, but I, and I, and I chose to go with a private hospital mostly because I kind of felt guilty going to the public hospital because I don't pay taxes in that same sort of way as everybody else. And I was kind of embarrassed. And so, uh, to like, just like go into the walk-in clinic. And so I just, I just went to the, the private hospital. The, the rates were, were not, um, extreme by any means. Um, and it is significantly more casual. Uh, so, so I, I went, I used a private doctor to get my IUD removed. Obviously that worked because I'm pregnant. Um, and what was really funny to me, at least, is that once she removed it, she offered it to me. She was like, would you like to take this home? And I was like, no, no. And then I got home and Micah was like, why didn't you say yes? And I was like, you're right. I should have said yes. Anyway, um, and that procedure cost about 150 EC, so like 50 bucks US. Um, and, you know, so... Yep, it all got done. And that's a relatively easy procedure. There's some risks of, you know, perforating the uterus and blah, 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 blah. But for the most part, it's a really easy procedure. Um, but it was, it, it just felt really casual. Like, cool, you want to get this done? Cool, let's do it. Jump up. And, you know, I'm I'm very used to the American healthcare system where everything looks very clean, and you know, like the whole psychology of doctors wearing white coats and uh, that everything looks very hygienic. And this did not feel very clean at all. Uh, you know, like this room didn't have air conditioning. It was hot. I could have kind of imagined a chicken walking across the the room. Whatever. Uh, but, but everybody was super nice and it got done and I didn't have any infection or whatever. Uh, but not necessarily a place where I would have wanted to have had surgery, for example. Um, and I do know from talking with other people that lived in our village and things like that, that, uh, that, that cleanliness of medical facilities is an issue. And so making sure that um, people staying clear from infection is very difficult and um, healing on things is very difficult. And I mean, I can completely understand it. It's a hot, humid country. And even if you do go to a very sanitary environment to have a procedure done, um, keeping those you know, bacteria loves hot and humid areas and, uh, and, and making sure that things stay clean. I bet is just very, very tricky. Uh, so, I mean, you know, in all honesty, staying, uh, the, the level of the medical facilities is part of the reason that I am choosing to, uh, give birth in America. Um, and, but overall, I mean, for the most part, the doctors all seemed super knowledgeable and I was not concerned about their ability to, uh, to, to be, to, to know what was going on. Um, 
at all. And, and I actually think that for a lot of things, uh, the doctors there use a little bit more of a holistic outlook than a lot of American doctors do that. They're like, well, what are you eating? And how is that affecting your life? As, as opposed to, let me just prescribe you lots and lots of drugs to be able to make things go on. And granted, this is a perception that I have that may or may not be true. Um, but from my experience, the doctors were super nice. Facilities, however, oh, they could be, they could use a little bit of a spit shame. We launched our Patreon account. Please go check it out. You can find a link on our website or just look up Art of Med School on Patreon.com. This is a great way to support us as we work hard to make the most and best content possible. You can find more information on our homepage at artofmedschool.com. And every little bit helps. Thanks. All right. This one is super, super scary, I think, to most people. And it's almost scary to the point of being like a cultural boogeyman, I would think of it. We even call it the big C. It's the second leading cause of death, right behind heart disease, and it's called cancer. But how many of us actually really know what cancer is? I thought, I thought because we think about it so much, we should probably actually know what cancer does or, or what defines cancer. So we're going to spend some time talking about cancer. Now, i got to tell you, cancer is actually really interesting if it weren't so uh it gets a little heady at times uh but if it weren't for that i I would probably consider oncology because the mechanism of it is i I think fascinating we have talked before about like the whole functioning and non-functioning tumor thing we're going to get into all of that but first let's just do kind of an overview cancer is simply an uncontrolled growth of abnormal cells we've got a number of checkpoints in place that make cells not grow when they're not supposed to grow these aren't doing that they're not following those checkpoints and so uh for one reason or another we you know we've we've lost this ability in these checkpoints to do their job so essentially it's just unrestricted growth and a a lack of apoptosis of a type of cell apoptosis is programmed cell death and we'll talk more on that later too Uh, when they create a mass of tissue we call it a tumor And not all cancers form a tumor. Like leukemia does not form a a tumor. So the thing about cancer is we can't say what causes cancer because it all depends on the type. And it's so multifactorial. Some are genetically linked. Some are exposure. Some are caused by a virus. Some are called by a bacteria. Some are caused by having certain genes and being exposed to the right thing. So, or some are called by, caused by uh, having a viral infection and then getting a certain exposure. Like we can kind of mix and match these in a way, uh, although I would say genetic, genetics and exposure are the two real, real big uh, underlying ones. But there's so many different causes that come together to actually um, develop cancer. So that's what we mean by multifactorial, that it's, there's no just one thing we can point at. It's multiple things. Uh, when cancer spreads, we call that metastasis. I think most people know that. 
Uh, one of the big concerns, though, is that it's spreading to the lymph nodes. So I think everybody knows that, but I'm not sure that they know why. The reason why is because that lymph system connects to pretty much everything. It's like a pipeline or a highway to all the other parts of the body. Now, the importance of the, that depends on where the cancer started and, and what the lymph system looks like from like sort of downstream from there but we'll we'll hopefully we'll we'll be able to get into that too. Uh cancer cells may look very very much like the cell that they started from or not at all. And we grade that based off of uh what we call a degree of differentiation. So how mu- so all okay this one threw me off for a bit understanding the degree of differentiation because it's not how different that they are from the cell that it started from, it's how differentiated they are from all cells. So essentially, when a cell, each cell has all the information it needs in order to become any cell in the body, right? That's just DNA. When you're developing as a fetus, those cells are serving as the progenitors, the precursors for all the other cells in the body. So those are not very differentiated. They all kind of look like the same thing. When a cell is very differentiated, it means that you can tell this is supposed to be an epithelium cell. This is a liver cell. This is a blood vessel cell, or that's epithelium, I guess, but uh, this is a brain cell whatever but they're very different from each other and so they look very different from each other and that's a high degree of differentiation so when a cancer is or a tumor or a cancer cell um if it um is is growing and it looks very much like a liver cell uh, you know it's it's liver cancer say or it's pancreatic cancer it still looks very much like the cell that it came from that is differentiated, and that is better than being undifferentiated. So poorly differentiated cells are given a high grade. Tumors themselves are staged, and that's that's more important for determining uh, the severity than that, that grading thing that we were just discussing. The tumor uh, stage staging system is the TNM staging system, and it's actually cancer type specific. So, what the the rank that we give everything depends on what type of cancer we're looking at. But we do use the same categories essentially. And first is tumor that this uh, it's graded based off the site and the size of the the primary lesion. The second is node. Uh, has it spread to the lymph node, and it's the second most important indicator of a poor prognosis. Uh, and then the last one is M, metastasis, and that's has it spread, essentially. Uh, and that's the most important indicator. And we're going to talk about some of the functions or, or the functionality of, or, of or, yeah, I suppose the functionality of how, how cancer is able to spread, and it gets very interesting. Little side note, brain tumors are not staged because they don't really spread outside of the CNS. So that's our overview of cancer. We'll get into uh, quite a few of these points more later, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about some specific kinds of cancers as well in future episodes. There you have it. That was episode number 34 of The Art of Med School, where we help creative minds understand medicine. Today, we talked about the trigeminal nerve, personal health care on the island, and cancer overview. 
Music Urbana Matronica Woo Ya Mix by Spinning Mercata is copyright 2011, licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution License. This show is not affiliated or endorsed in any way by St. James School of Medicine. Micah just goes there. The Art of Med School podcast is part of the Art of Med School Network. For more information, find us on the web at artofmedschool.com. Thank you.